and welcome to Plappercast, episode 83. I'm your host, Carson Tamar, with a pretty big episode today. But before we get into any of those topics, any of those reviews, let's introduce our get or our other host today. We have Alina Falls and we have Paul Price. How are you guys doing today? I don't appreciate being called a guest after, what, 60 episodes, but <laughs> I'll accept it. <laughs> be our guest, you know? <laughs> We need to send that to people when we ask them to be a guest. We should just send them be our guest from Beauty and the Beast. That's Aww. that'd be cute. Anyway. That's adorable. I um, love that. I I'm good. I'm at AFI Fest right now, so I'm taking a quick break. Um, we'll like do a download on that either this episode or the next episode of what I watched. Um, but it's been really weird because I have not been to Hollywood Boulevard since COVID, and then I went back, and it is a different world. Um, like radically different, like almost every storefront that I like used to know is now closed. Uh, most of the restaurants survived, but it's also like really covered in uh, street vendors, which there used to be like one or two and especially close to TLC theater. Um, now it's the whole street. Um, my favorite was that a guard from Squid Game with his gun walked up to me and tried to get me to buy uh, Delgana. And I was like, "Um, no, thank you. And also don't hold that weapon at me. I realize that it's fake, but still. (laughs) It's LA. You don't know, really. Yeah, really. It's Hollywood Boulevard. It gets kind of sketchy at Um, points. Well, the funniest part is um, I have been like, I was in between the movies because it's like um, a movie will be like 80 minutes long and the next movie is two and a half hours later. So you kind of just have to go walk around aimlessly, especially if you're alone. And the entire mall where um, they set the AFI Fest, um, because if you didn't know, um, all of the Academy Awards are done within a mall. And um, so that's like, uh, I was just walking around that and it was completely empty. And I was like, I could literally be murdered here. And like, no one would know, like for a while, because it was just you were going through different areas and it was like completely empty. To be clear, the last one was held in a train station, but normally it's a mall. Yeah. How are you doing, Alina? You're oh, not I don't think you're at a film festival this week, but no, anything else exciting way. happening? I have been having the most dramatic fucking week when it comes to men, which is perfect for what we are talking about later, which is the all too well short film. And I was gonna tell the story, but I'm not sure if I will, because this man has reappeared into my life again. We'll call him Brennan. And Brennan has just been up to fucking shenanigans and, like, indecisions and all this fucking shit. I don't know what the hell this man wants, but I don't know. I don't want to say any more in case he listens to this again. But Brennan is the same dude from last week that I said, oh, I met this sweet guy. Wrong. Wrong. Also, quote, unquote, sweet guy who prefers Paul to me on the podcast, let's be (laughs) clear. So we're not fans of him on the podcast overall, but... We'll see. I mean, in general, I would get we should do a um one of those like Twitter polls and see like which one of us is everyone's favorite. Nope. And then it just That's really hurt like my feelings. <laughs> we'll be depressed, so no. <laughs> oh, I didn't realize you guys were scared to have a little competition. <laughs> if we got fan mail. If we got fan mail, one of us is grumpy, one of us has nothing, and one of us is just a sweet little guy. So I love reception how I'm the one with nothing. That's sweet. <laughs> well, no, uh, actually, emails about you, you know, sorry. Yeah, actually, they yeah. did say that uh, 
you guys were pushovers for letting me just be grumpy all the time. So really. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Well, why don't we get to our reviews for the episode? Because we do have quite a bit to get through. And, you know, why don't we start off with a film I would say we've been waiting for for years. Definitely months, ever since it was unfairly pulled from its red carpet debut at TIFF. We have Clifford the Big Red Dog. Red carpet, red dog, yeah, it works well. Um, Oh my god, Carson! Carson, you didn't say it. This episode is... This episode (laughs) is... Okay. The movies are Passing, Belfast, and then... The short film from Taylor Swift's Red Album. We're talking about Red Notice and Clifford the Big Red Dog. So what is Plus this episode? Two silent films. Oh, yes, which are all and black and white. So it's black and white and red all over, which is very cute Yay. and very exciting <laughs> for us. Um, and Carson does not like fun, so he skipped over that. So we can go back to Clifford the Big Red Dog, but I would like to point out that this is the red section. Of the black and white and red all over episode, well, um, well, a special we're in our red clappers version. Um, if you would want to say, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess let's just, I guess, jump into Clifford the Big Red Dog on that note. Alina, you were gonna, you went to TIFF. You were gonna go, I assume, to the world premiere of Clifford the Big Red Dog. I can't assume you'd go see anything else over it, but you didn't get to see it at TIFF. You finally got to see it. Did it live up to every expectation you had? It didn't meet any expectation I had which is tragic um I don't remember like a lot about Clifford but I do recall reading like the picture books and shit as a little kid I was like Clifford was a part of my life so like when we heard about this whole like thing about Clifford the Big Red Dog coming to TIFF I was like hell yeah dude that's gonna be fun there's gonna be some like cool ass merch on the red carpet didn't happen got pulled I don't know why they pulled it I don't remember if there was, like, a reason that came out. And then we finally got the chance to see it this week. It was fucking hell. It's not horrible, 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 but it is so bad. Like, for a children's movie, this is rough. I feel like kids will like it, but it's not one of those, like, things where, like, the adults can enjoy enjoy it, too. I was suffering. There's, like, so much to this plot. They keep throwing all this ridiculous-ass shit to you. Clifford gets giant overnight because he's, like, growing big from love. That's fine. I can believe that. Sure. Um, There's this dude with this, like, magical animal menagerie thing. What the fuck? Um, Emily Elizabeth's uncle is, like, a huge deadbeat who lives in, like, a moving van. Her mom goes away. Uh, There's, like, this fucking lab that's trying to, like, grow food for the world. But they're really evil and they're trying to, like, steal Clifford. Um, so they can like use his DNA or something to make all this food grow big. Um, there's this whole thing about Clifford being shipped off to Hong Kong with this like rich guy. I was just like, I don't know how to cope with all of this. Like it's literally like they uh, threw literally everything into the script to just prolong it when really we should have just fucking ended it. Yeah, woof. Um, not good, woof. which is sad <laughs> because this premiered day and date on. Um, paramount plus the last film to do this was paw patrol the movie both about dogs i didn't want to watch either of them but i watched paw patrol and i cried i love paw patrol the movie i thought it was genuinely fantastic so i was like you know what 
maybe Clifford's going to be fantastic. Maybe we're going to have a surprise hit on our hands. I mean, it was at TIFF it was going to be. Like, it can't just be a bad children's movie. And then it turned out to be a bad children's movie. Uh, definitely watching this, I was like, wow, we should not be doing these anymore. Um, it has some cute moments. Clifford is cute at times. Uh, the CGI is not always good, but sometimes it is. And other than that, it's miserable. I think this is terrible. Not to shit on the child actors. They were atrocious. They were grating. Uh, the comedy wasn't good. I don't really need like Clifford like pissing on someone and be like, ah, lol, he pissed on him. Not quite so funny in this situation. Um, the plot's very convoluted and weird. It was not good. Like kids will have a passable time with it. Adults just stay away. It's not good. Well, it's it's interesting. Um, it feels a lot like uh, you might have been a literal infant, Carson. So you might have seen this. Um, but uh, Mr. Popper's Penguins. With Jim Carrey. Yes. And that's the last. It, but I know of it. That's the last movie that I like can think of that kind of has this feel of like, it's fine for children, but like, it just feels very like kids like fart jokes, kids like piss jokes. Like, and I don't feel like they do anymore. Maybe they do, but I feel like as a whole, we've kind of moved on as a society from that. Cause I think that we realize that kids don't like those. Um, except for that one obnoxious kid in the theater who would laugh. And I guess that's, when they're like, oh, kids like it because of, you know, Billy with two uh, <laughs> brain cells is laughing at the joke. <laughs> but like, um, you know, there were moments that I liked about this. I think that one of the biggest problems is Clifford and say like Paddington, um, both are kind of iconic looking characters. And for some reason in this, and I would guess it's because Paddington um, its original drawing is a little more realistic, but this doesn't even look like Clifford. He's more like a maroon, if anything. And then he's not big enough. Um, I know Alina was very upset about that. Um, and he's also uh, like weirdly realistic looking to the point that like it just he looks more 3D. It's like um, hitting that uncanny valley situation um with clifford which is really upsetting because like i even you both had just watched it and i was uh watching it this morning and i was like okay maybe i'll be the one that like i like this and the first like 30 minutes i was like i'm into this john cleese is in this this is fun and then it just kind of goes off the rail exactly when you were talking about as soon as tony hale shows up as a person who actually is just trying to like help people <laughs> he just wants to stop uh hunger like world hunger and they're like and he's the villain because he's doing it while trying to take this dog i was like well this doesn't work if anything like if they'd had something where they were like you can do research but we want him back at you know after school every day that would have been fine like a fine like children's ending this was literally like no we're uh <laughs> We're not saving world hunger, actually. Us rich kids are just going to keep our massive dog to ourselves. 
also the richness of these kids was insane and i don't really understand the concept of it no literally she makes fun of him for sleeping in the back of the van he's she's like what a fucking loser like honey <laughs> what but also like you can't keep clifford like even if the billionaire is not gonna take him like you feasibly cannot take care of clifford living in a new york apartment so it really was kind of like I mean, that's okay. the whole, that's the whole point of Clifford is that it's impossible. So that I will allow. But, but, like, the, re- when the, but the rest is the girl, the little annoying girl is going to abuse him by making him live in a New York apartment or the billionaire is going to go and like solve world problems. It was like, well, yeah, I, I know, don't I believe in testing on animals. So I vote that Clifford should have just gone to fucking China and chilled with all the other billionaire Chinese animals with the wide open fields. Except, and he except just, like, here's the thing. That's cute. We don't know. We don't know if Clifford doesn't have a disease. Like we're just going to ship this dog off to a different he country. He doesn't have a and disease. Like- He's big because he was loved. <laughs> okay, do we know that? that or sounds is it, like a disease. That's, or is it like that sounds like I what trust John like, it's okay. with my life. No. Clifford was made in some lab and is actually like patient zero for some for like COVID two electric boogaloo. <laughs> and we're like a, oh, a, yeah. of Isle of the Dogs with Clifford. I will say that just randomly. <laughs> <laughs> Clifford is a case one of dogs. Yeah, just cut away. Uh, Cut away to them explaining what they're going to do with Clifford and then cut straight to Isle of Dog. (laughs) Um, No, the other thing that's really interesting is the attempt to make Jack Whitehall a star. This is the second movie we've seen him in. Um, And I really like Jack Whitehall as a comedian. Um, I've liked him for a while, like as a stand up. Um, Whoever his agent is hates him because both of these roles have been really terrible in like specifically grading no matter what performance he gives, like <laughs> um, just in terms of what the character is supposed to be doing, because there's so many choices that his character specifically makes that are just like frustrating for the movie. Um, and it feels very like 90s, like um, Home Alone 2 and 3 kind of stuff, not Home Alone 1, which is actually pretty fun. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just overall, I just feel like these the supporting cast is all really frustrating. There was one point where um, my dog, um, who is not giant and red, um, was needing me for a second. So I looked away from the screen. And when I looked back, like the entire town was involved in the Clifford story. And I was like, what happened? (laughs) Why are they all in here? Um, And I went back and watched it. But it was like, it just feels like it's one of those where they just didn't know what to do. So they just kept to your point, Elena adding things and adding things. Um, But like, I guess the big question is, do you think kids would even enjoy this? I feel like maybe. I think think with Passable, I don't think it'll be anyone's favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Like the really stupid kids will. Yeah. It's a good way to test if your kid is stupid. They're on Clifford. See if they like it or not, you know? (laughs) If you've been wondering, this is way better than like a Minza or IQ test. Just be like, do you like Clifford? <laughs> I don't think it's like the worst like children's movie that's come out this year, though. Like, I feel like Tom and Jerry was more hellish than this. No, I had more fun with Tom and Jerry. I like did not. I this. I'm mixed. I was actually specifically thinking of Tom and Jerry. Mm-hmm. Um, 
This I feel like I have more to talk about, but like Tom and Jerry, I was mild. Although it was one of the first movies we watched. So maybe I was just like wide eyed and bushy tailed like, oh, I want to talk about movies. <laughs> yeah. Um, like Chloe's great. Chloe Grace Moretz tries in that film. Then some of the humor has <laughs> yeah. got like some of the like Tom versus Jerry shenanigans, like when they were tearing up the room was fun. Like it's like that versus like Clifford pissing. It's like, well, which one's more funny? Which one did you have a better time with? I had I don't like Tom and Jerry. You can listen to the podcast, but like it's better than this. The other interesting thing is that the writer, one of the writers of Clifford was the writer of one of my favorite movies this year. Barb and Star uh, Annie Mamolo Mamolo. I don't know how to say her name, Um, but it's really disappointing because I was even trying to look for her humor in it, um, like a moment of Barb and Star weirdness, and it never came up. I feel like maybe she got to do some punch up or she was part of the original script that got completely taken apart during this. I don't know the backstory, but um, I don't see her in this at all. Uh, Even movies that I don't particularly think are good. I can like see some of her humor in and this is like this is rough. <laughs> but uh I don't know. It's interesting. Um I do think that there will be a Clifford 2. I think it made enough money and I do think that Clifford 2 could actually be interesting too. Oh, it does kind of feel fact. like it might be a Angry Birds situation. Where, like the first one's terrible, second one's like weirdly great. At least now um, he'll be big the entire time. Like you mentioned, See, this, he's not fucking big and half. I fucking tiny. loved as a kid Clifford's Puppy Days. Those were like, yeah, I think it's a better so show. Um, Agreed. Oh, um, uh, another fun fact. So <laughs> um, John Cleese's character is named Mr. Bridwell. And I was like, why do I know that name? Well, Bridwell's the original writer of Clifford. Oh, that's cute. So and so that's why I was surprised when they killed him. <laughs> and then unkilled him. But I was like, how do spoilers. you kill the... <laughs> I don't think anyone cares uh, about a spoiling Spoilers Clifford. <laughs> for Clifford. I'm sorry. <laughs> do I have to add that audio for Clifford? God damn it, Paul. <laughs> no, no, no. I think you're fine. Yeah, no. uh, <laughs> like, we already we already talked about China and the fact that he's still at home. And then, you know, <laughs> I, I really don't think anyone cares out. about um, spoiling Clifford. <laughs> I do want people with pets to watch this movie and uh, tell me when your pet decides to leave. Because Doug, my cat, only made it 25 minutes in and he was like, fuck this. I don't give a fuck about this big red dog. Small Clifford didn't, you know, hook him. That's sad. Mm -mm. Well, to be fair, he goes away for a while. I mean, I'm 100% certain, by the way, that the sequel to this movie is going to be about him trying to find his parents. But it was very weird that his mom just like, you know gets taken away by animal control and probably put down and just never <laughs> mentioned again. I was like sitting there. I was like, well, that's bleak. <laughs> I kept it red because he's full of COVID. <laughs> I was really shocked. I thought it was going to be like, oh, he escaped from the lab or something. But no, he escaped from the Wuhan lab. <laughs> and he's returning. He's on his way back. He's going to China. He's going home. <laughs> <laughs> oh god <laughs> i wish that i think it was bull and max are their names i'm not really sure the bulldog and poodle i hope they're in number two, like the sequel oh yeah mm-hmm. 
Um, like a Tales is gonna be the Sonic sequel. Like just keep expanding this Clifford's universe <laughs> to where we get all the characters. Because I loved, I loved Clifford as a child. I loved it. I did too. I um, it was like one of my favorites. Um, I think after, I mean, little what was it called? Little Critter. Was yeah, 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 yeah. Little Critter was my favorite. Um, and then. I, I fucking like the loved Berenstein. the Berenstein. I love the mind meld, Berenstein dude. Berenstein Bears. Bears. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love the Berenstein Bears. And then Franklin can suck it. Uh, yeah. Never liked Franklin. Um, I like Franklin. I like the peanut butter and jelly otters. <gasps> yeah. Um, PB and J otter. PB and J otter. It's a show. Caillou I don't think can it was die. Oh. No offense, Yeah, fuck you, Caillou. Fuck Caillou. Oh, God. Have you guys ever watched like- George Shrinks? Maybe that's the Canadian show, but that show slapped. No. What was it called? George Shrinks. Oh, I think I do know that. Um, like, he's like tiny like this, and he goes on all these yeah. adventures because he's super tiny. Oh, it looks that's adorable. Like, that's right. I fucking slaps. I love the one when if he goes we have on the blank... Yeah. If we have a blank week on the podcast, we should pick like five shows that we used to watch as children, just watch one episode of each and talk about it. Um, like that's that really idea. funny because I would be picking stuff and you'd be like, why were you watching this as a child? <laughs> <laughs> Jojo Circus, let's go. <laughs> oh, God. You know who else we hate? Jake Gyllenhaal. Fuck you, Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, Taylor Swift released I, Red's version. I don't hate Jake Gyllenhaal personally. Yeah, uh, okay. I think, I'm I fighting think gonna... for my life as a Jake Gyllenhaal stan this week. Look, God. I think I, I think liked him too, but after this week, I think I, we got to hate I him. Think, Jake Gyllenhaal, no, I think, innocent. I think yeah Whoa. Uh, even within the confines of the music video um okay so for everyone back at home taylor swift released a 10 year old song that's 10 minutes long oh are you wanting to do this one well no i was just i mean go for it oh okay um and it's basically about to be a clear, relationship- she didn't release it she released well let's okay to be clear she's re-releasing all of her old music so it's not like she like chose this one randomly it was like i gotta do it like and I mean, also the fans have been big, begging for the 10 minute version for like literally yes. since the red originally came so, out. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, so. that's all fair, but I mean, all that w- notwithstanding, um, she like dredges up 10 year old drama and creates this, uh, short film that Carson can introduce. Uh, but I think we have differing opinions and I will state at the beginning, I do really like Taylor Swift. So, well, this is all stated with love, but with peace and love, little, it was I a little embarrassing. I was not a Swiftie, <laughs> and in fact, I was a Taylor Swift hater for years. Whoa. Cause she, yeah, because she kept dating men that I liked. Like when she was dating Jake Gyllenhaal, I was like, this bitch is done. She broke Tom Hiddleston's heart. I was like, I don't like her. And then I started I liking her, I think, when Lover like- came out. I and love then I was the like, idea she's fine. Yeah. That you at like 13 were like, I have a chance with Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> yeah. I was obsessed with Prince of Persia. I thought that would be fucking slapped. So um, I actually always, when I would have a crush on someone, I would look up to see if it was age appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's only a nine I, age gap. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd always be like, oh, nope, it's more than six. I can't do that. I'll just think they're pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Um, it was like it was like something I was planning because I was really sure that, you know, I would be able to marry Kristen Bell if I wanted mm-hmm. to. But yeah. she was too old. So it's a shame. 
only reason you guys can't get together, I would say. Yeah, um, no, definitely. I mean, she picked Dax Shepard, so really, like, she oh, was truly. like, totally have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> At that point, anyone does. Um, look, I hear your complaints about, let's be clear, we're talking about the all-too-well 10-minute version. From the oh, I thought you were going to say, <laughs> just to be clear, we're talking about the highest-rated film on well, Letterboxd. I think it's number four. <laughs> it dropped to number four, tragically. It was no. at one point the highest-rated thing on on um, Letterboxd. I hear your complaints. I feel like this might be a little bit more of like a Spencer conversation, weirdly. Like, I get it, and I get how it's petty, and I get how it's dumb. But like, Heartbreak sometimes is petty and dumb. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, yes, it is dumb. Like, even in the music video, the complaint is like, you drop my hand. But like, sometimes those tiny moments mean the world and they haunt you okay. for like years for so, like, me I guess it was I like this it. is such a bratty little girl thing to be upset about you guys have been dating you they dated for three months he's not going to pick up on all of your like you're not he doesn't know he's seeing his sure. friends that he hasn't seen in 10 plus years he's excited he's literally eating he fucking puts something in his mouth and then she grabs that same hand like bitch he's fucking eating dude like, I understand you're uncomfortable. You haven't met these people. They're older than you. They're not white. They're different with- races. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then she fights with him after. And she's like, you dropped my hand. He did react poorly. I will admit that. But it is a dumbass thing to get upset okay. about. Like, but it is very funny when it cuts to her party and it's all white people yeah. and she's like much more comfortable i was like do you not read what this just said i understand <laughs> that you're trying to be like i'll cast in this situation but it's like this like whole group of like queer <laughs> uh multi-racial like hippies and she's like no no <laughs> not these people <laughs> at this time though remember she's 20 when you're 20 at this time remember she's a things. wild racist <laughs> yeah well that too but that's not the point um i don't know i like i thought it was sweet i think this is i love the craft of this it reminds me a lot of the newest season of master of none um i really liked it i don't know like i think and it's that it's petty. bad no you haven't even seen the new seasons so i don't know why you're speaking i skimmed through it the new one? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, then never mind. Maybe you did see it. I don't know. I Yeah, it's just petty, but it's like it feels real. Like, I don't know. I think I, think I thought it was props. aesthetically pleasing, but I just like the fight was stupid that I just like couldn't get past that. I think my biggest problem is it's way too literal. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's way too literal. And I also think because it's literal, it feels like she still has a grudge which is weird yeah like it is weird to like talk about this especially when you find out it's been it was three months and it was 10 years ago you're like he does still keep the scarf though does he does he have the scarf real no he had it for a while like people there's been photographs of him wearing i don't know from when but like i'm sure he's thrown away at this point or is he (laughs) just wearing a scarf and everyone's like, that's the Taylor Swift scarf. I will say before like Swifties are mad at us, I do think Taylor Swift is immensely talented. I do think that like her um, aesthetics in this are really nice. Uh, I just think like it's very amateur and I feel like no one told her no on a lot of things. Let's be clear, like, Swifties. I gave this 4.5 out of 5, okay? Don't come for me, come for them. <laughs> I did not rate it because I don't rate short films um also this is not a short film this is a music video with one like intro to film scene in the middle of it Mm -hmm. um but like 
I think the titles are really embarrassing. Um, I think that Sadie Sink is a very odd looking person. And I think that there's a reason for this. I think that how she tries to look like Taylor Swift, like people are making fun of her saying she looked like Shiv from Succession, which is 100% right. She looks like baby Shiv. Um, Is like, there's something that like, Sadie Sink in this, I guess, looks very odd (laughs) because she's trying to be a young Taylor Swift. Um, Also, the um, reveal at the end of Taylor Swift just wearing a red wig. I'm sure excited a lot of people, but made me legitimately roll my eyes because she's not a published author. <laughs> like, I don't know why that really bugged me, but I did bug me to imagine that she wrote a 10 minute song, which I think is like pushing it for a three month relationship. But in this version of the story, she wrote an entire book about a three month relationship where the guy dropped her hand once. <laughs> well, I think it's equivalent to saying like she wrote an album about it. Um, but I oh, thought that scene was actually quite beautiful because like that relationship she shared with people in the crowd. And that's why I'm like, even if Taylor Swift, I don't probably believe she still has that big of a grudge against that. I'm sure she's she's like, yeah, but don't you see Dylan O'Brien at the end looking through and seeing her and he's like wearing the scarf. She no, but the it's, not it's actually the gas not. It's even if gaffer. that's not his opinions on it, or even that's not her like raw emotions, she is speaking to a crowd here who's buying and loving it, even whether it's for money or whether it's to help those who are dealing with heartbreak themselves. Like, I don't blame her for trying to like she shows that connection, I think, really actually beautifully in this. Also, I will say this is the best thing Sadie ever has done, like. In the, which is well, a hard, hard. She's yeah, no, I that just and don't believe that the that Jake Gyllenhaal Brian character Ball. gives a fuck like a decade well, okay. later. That's no, what a, I was going to say. It's a film. It's not real. But 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 the thing is but it so? is real. Everyone's it reading is. it as It's so literal. Yeah, yeah, it's it is literal. So you can't like, you know, have your cake and eat it too um mm-hmm. with that situation. But if Jake had been in that last shot, then I would be like, yeah, you know what? This is fine. The fact that he's not feels a little weird because it's basically like, oh, he's still thinking about me. And I'm still thinking about him, even though like Taylor Swift is about to be engaged. And I want to say Jake Gyllenhaal's like. In he's something. dating a 25 year old. Yeah. OK, he's so like he's doing fine. Um, I mean, the line uh, I age, but your lovers stay my age. Pretty good. You know that. Like yeah, it. that is good. Man, um, keep going, Paul. But then I have something to say after. Oh, no, I just I think overall, like it's a confident short film. But also it's dropped down to like 20 or something. Um, now it's lower than uh, Harikari. Hmm. So uh, Harakiri. I mean, I know the film. I just have never watched it. Um, Over the Garden Walls above it. That's good. It's yeah. 15 right now. Um, but I think that there's just. Um, I just think that Taylor Swift needs to. You know what? I'm not going to say it. No, say it. I was going to say just needs directing lessons and also therapy. Um, <laughs> yes, for sure on the hey, second one. Hey, Swifties, if you want to send us some death threats, go right ahead. It's great for engagement. I wouldn't mind. <laughs> Swifties, I, don't mind. Don't, I love you, you know. I cried. Yeah. The funniest part. I listened to it all. The fun. Wait. The funniest part is that Alina will not be involved in getting any of the death threats. It'll just be Carson getting them. Um, Carson <laughs> is the one who reads our mail, so like know that going forward. Um, don't. And just remember, I'll be listening to folklore while I do it, Swifty. So don't be too yeah. mean, or I will kill myself. But that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
Okay, the thing I wanted to bring up, the worst thing about this All Too Well thing coming back, I'm not mad about it. I love All Too Well. I When Justin and I broke up, I cried like a little bitch to this song over and over and over again. Um, it helped me get over my breakup. Thank you, Queen Taylor Swift. I like her now. Um, but the worst thing about this short film is all the discourse about, like, age gap relationships are, like, severely so fucking annoying. Everyone's like, he's grooming. He's gaslighting her. No, the fuck he's not. She was 20. She's capable of making her own decisions. There's nothing wrong with age gap relationships. Some can be problematic, but that one obviously wasn't. She dated John Mayer, and, like, people aren't getting that mad about that right now. I'm sure they will when we get to speak now, Taylor's version. But, like, I've been seeing so many fucking tweets. I'm like, Jake Gyllenhaal is not, like, a pedophile because he dated Taylor Swift a decade ago. Please. Like, when I was 22, I dated a man who's 37. He's, like, one of the nicest people I ever dated. So, like, shut the fuck up, please. Go outside, touch some grass. It's fine. I do think it's interesting that we're seeing, like, a whole thing about, like, age gap relationships. Carson, I'm sure you are very annoyed by the constant talk about fucking call me by your name, which had to bring it up. (laughs) I have never, I have never understood the problem with call me by your name. I'm like, they're both so goddamn young, like 24 and 17 when you're the only two gays in the village is like (laughs) perfectly fine um like i don't know what you're expecting it's also Um, not necessarily seen as even being that healthy in the film but you know whatever yeah i know because elio is a fucking weirdo just like so fucking weird but that's okay (laughs) (laughs) like but uh no it's just it's really funny because everyone's been posting call me by your name and like this is the most toxic and this is why we can't do this. Um, I would never date someone older because I always imagine them like dying and then you're in your 70s and you're like, well, great. Now I'm- I will say I did like and I retweeted it at BP underscore movie reviews. If you want to see it, someone did the title cards, but over call me by your name. I like that. Yeah, that's what actually it's specifically what everyone's talking about right now. And they like all the quote tweets of that are like, um, look, two toxic relationships. Those uh those gays don't know what they're saying. And I'm like, okay, God, please. Um, I just get so like, there's like a very interesting thing. This is so off topic. Sorry, Taylor. Um, In that like people uh, get really moral crusade in a very like uh, 1 million moms kind of way about the most random things. And they're like, we're liberal, but gasp. (laughs) And it's very funny to me, um, including this. But I think Dylan O'Brien was good. Um, I am curious. Do you guys have a favorite Taylor Swift album? I've never listened to one of her albums all the way through. Oh. I, I've only done one. Yeah, no, me neither, guys. <laughs> um, oh, well, okay. We can cut this. No, I'm I kidding. Was... Of course. Oh, <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> I'm it was kidding. A joke. <laughs> I love it. Uh, I... I think my, weirdly my favorite is reputation. And I think it's because, uh, you know, like um, we talk about like Taylor Swift, like having like a persona. And I feel like that was like, she slipped a little too much and like her mean girl, like came out and everyone was like, who is this? And I was like, that's, that's Taylor. I think <laughs> I love a lot and of I reputation. Like, I think when Ed Sheeran is on there and Taylor's rapping, it's a little much. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, that I skipped that song. See, I, okay. My favorites that, are like Red and 1989. I like the songs best from those two albums that I've heard, but I oh, haven't yeah. heard all of them. 1989 I love Folklore and Evermore, like her two newer ones. See, I, also love I, only, I only like the one with the Haim sister for like five seconds. Um, That's like the murder mystery one. That one oh, I'm yeah. like, where I she, fuck with. Where she says she murdered a girl or murdered a guy. Murdered. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's murdered the Haim sisters uh, husband. Um, yeah, no. Uh, after they go to Olive Garden. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Alina's face for that moment. Um, yeah, Olive Garden's a very important part of this particular song. Oh, that narrative, um, it really revolves around Olive Garden, <laughs> would say. I do not know that one. Um, uh, it's like it's like one of those that I like. I think he did it. Is that it? Or um, no body, no crime. Yeah, that is going to be funny because Jake Gyllenhaal will probably be found dead, and it'll just be like, who did it? I don't know. Maybe one of these ten million teenage girls. <laughs> <laughs> People are saying him death threats. I was like, we kind of need to be worried about Jake Gyllenhaal for the next week, right? Literally, so Swifties. If you're listening to this, calm down, please. Like, stop harassing Uh, You need to calm down. And before we go any further, let's hear a word about the sponsor for today's episode. And my friends, that is the Star Draft. Hollywood's award season is right around the corner, and that means another season of Star Draft is upon us. Star Draft turns Hollywood's award season into fantasy football. You draft actors and musicians, they win accolades throughout the award season, and your team earns points. This year, the Star Draft is hoping to sign up their thousandth user, and if they do, they're going to give away $1,000 in cash prizes. So join a league today and spread the word. Even we at Clappercast have a league that you can join on the site's public leagues page. So sign up today, battle it out with me, Alina, and Paul. Just look up Clappercast on the website, and that is at thestardraft.com. Once again, thestardraft.com. And may the Anoms be ever in your favor. Okay, well, speaking of Red Taylor's version, speaking of Clifford the Big Red Dog, we might as well get to our last Red project of the week with Red Notice on Netflix. And to start off the conversation around Red Notice, why don't we turn it over to Alina? You're the reason we're watching this in the first place. Um, So hopefully it lived up to your expectations because I didn't really want to watch this, but we're here we are. Did it live up to those expectations? Is it my fault because my arch nemesis is in this movie? Is that why we're doing this? It seems like it. Um, if you ignore that part, this is, movie is fine. I actually really had a good time with it if I ignore Gal Gadot. Because as we know, based on prior episodes, I highly dislike her. But we will not get into that today because I'm trying to be less of a hater. Um, okay. Um, so basically it follows Ryan Reynolds, who plays like a toned down version of all of his other characters, I would say, um, who is a world famous art thief and he steals other artifacts and whatnot too. And then there's Gal Gadot, a diabolical bitch, which she is very good at playing. I might add probably because she is one. (laughs) Um, she is the second most famous art thief in the entire world. And then we also have The Rock who's my king. I love him. Um, Honestly, he's the only reason why I am here willingly. Uh, He plays an FBI guy who is like, oh my God, what the fuck's the word? A profiler. Um, And he's like in charge of 
going after Ryan Reynolds' character. And then, like, shenanigans ensue, as they should, with these adventure, mystery, heist, history films. You love to see it. Um, They end up in the fucking Russian gulags. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, you didn't mention what they're looking for. What the uh, I'll I'll get there. I'll get there. Okay, (laughs) it's Um, my favorite part. It's so insane. Um, they go to Hadrian's mausoleum. They go to the Amazon jungle. They're all over the place. They're all over the goddamn world in real places. The thing they are stealing is not real, which highly annoyed me at first because they made up these thingies called Cleopatra's eggs. That were given to her by Mark Antony, which is fucking <laughs> dumb as shit. Because, first of all, Mark Antony is a Roman dude. I'm pretty sure he's a general. My brain is not working very well right now, but like he's some military guy, okay? I understand he was totally fucking in love with Cleopatra. Fine. He wouldn't give her eggs, and the eggs. Don't even look fucking Roman. Are you kidding me, guy? Like, if you're gonna pick a time period, at least make the artifact from the goddamn time period look like it, please. Because it looks more like Renaissance-y, Baroque shit. Like, dumb. But you know what? I rolled with it. It looks looks like Renaissance, but, like, if the Renaissance went to Egypt, like, instead of trying to go back to, like, the Roman times. Oh, my God. There was, like, so many elements of, like, the history stuff that really pissed me off. But you know what? It's fine. I I generally did have fun with it. Um, But, like I said, it's really, like, a huge mishmash of, like, every other adventure history-esque film. Yeah, no, I am a huge hater of action movies and this kind of genre i mean longtime listeners will know that like pretty much whenever a big budget like kind of like dumb action comedy shows up i have no interest and i cannot tell you why this like clicked with me um the one thing i did differently than most of these other movies is i did watch it on my phone and that sounds like a like hit against it But when you watch something on your phone, you know what you can't do? Anything else. So I was fully invested. And I really do feel like a lot of like when I'm reading like a lot of the reviews on Letterboxd and on Twitter and stuff, people are like, oh, it just keeps changing and it's so dumb and so airy. But I feel like it does set up a lot of these twists in a very unique way. Um, Not even unique, just like it sets them up fine, like an old 90s movie. But um, if you're not paying attention, if you're on your phone and look up every 10 minutes, this movie's entire like plot shifts. Um, But I think it works for this because that's kind of what the movie is. Um, Maybe it's that we've watched all of the Netflix like major releases this year. And most people don't. And this was the big one. So they watched it and were like, these are terrible. This is by far the best Netflix original like fun movie that's been released this year um in terms of just like even like people were talking about you know uh the character the actors all seem like they're just playing themselves yeah finally (laughs) like i've watched ryan reynolds in other netflix movies i think it was called six underground or something like that um the michael bay one worst performance he's ever done this was like he was having fun Um, everyone here seems to know that they're getting a huge paycheck and it is a silly movie. So they're just like in it. 
Um, even Gal Gadot, who like I'm always a defender of in terms of her acting. I've never particularly found her that bad. <laughs> no, I just think she's like fine for who she's supposed to play in almost every role. Even like uh, even Wonder Woman is supposed to be well wonder woman 1984 is one of the best comic book movies ever so i agree i don't dislike wonder woman 1984 um i dislike wonder woman but i don't dislike 84 agreed um i think that it knew what it was trying to be and honestly i think that's what uh if we want to like you know sit there and be um my therapist for a second i think the reason i don't like a lot of these movies is they try to be better than they are and the movies that are just like this is fun. Have fun with this. I'm I'm down for. Um, you know, this felt very national treasure to me. It felt Indiana Jones. I loved that they had a callback to Indiana Jones, just like doing the music. Um, I loved the weird film references that like were for us. Like no one knows what a featured extra is unless you're in the industry. I mean, maybe you do, but like for the most part, I don't think people got that joke. Um, yeah, no, I just, I really enjoyed this and I'm embarrassed. Like I was like halfway through it and I was like, please get bad. Please get bad. Give me a reason to give this a one star and not be the person who's like, and then I put a three star originally on Letterboxd. And I was like, you know what? That's, that's good. I'll be able to get away with it. And I like sat there and I was like, it's not a three star. I really enjoyed it. (laughs) So I like in the middle of the night, I woke up and clicked it to four and I was like, fine let go and let god <laughs> fucking and i also dislike all three of these actors <laughs> that has to be said i don't find them good i usually dislike them so i don't know what happened but carson what do you think i kind of hate it because i also wanted to hate this but i like didn't like it. i wouldn't say it's good but like i think people are being very unfair when it's like one star or half stars like even from this episode clifford but like the kissing booth series you know there's so many netflix originals that are utter garbage and this one's like at the very least you can say competent i like dwayne johnson i like dwayne johnson in most things i like him here i like gal gadot for what she's doing I think Ryan Reynolds is a little boring. He's just giving the same gimmick, which I'm very just like done with. Um, I was done with him in Free Guy. I'm done with him here. Other than that, though, it's like I think it's a little long. I think it's a little boring at times, but like I don't think this is badly made. I think the visuals are actually quite strong. So, yeah, I, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it either. Okay, so the one thing I do want to talk about, though, is uh, <laughs> I used to work in the cocktail world and uh i understand that part of their contract was to have them both try their alcohols at some point in the movie but ryan reynolds drinking lukewarm aviation gin literally was making me gag and then they cut to the rock also drinking lukewarm aviation gin and i was like guys please no one has ever done this on purpose like that's like some serious alcoholic shit. Like you do not drink a lukewarm gin unless you're like really like this is the end of my life situation. Um that was like so funny to me because they tried to hide the fact that it was the brands. Like I get having like product placement in the movie, but it and it was very interesting to see that they tried to hide um the actual product placement like 
you don't really see a close-up of the aviation gin. You never see uh, the Rocks tequila. I don't know exactly the brand. Um, but, like, they worked to hide it, but it's still there. And for some reason, that made it more obvious. Um, also weird that they did it back-to-back when there's an entire movie that you could have put liquor anywhere through. Um, but, yeah, no. Uh, so much of this movie is just, like, very dumb but also i have no problems with it um i'm very curious and like you can write in at uh what is it clappercast at gmail.com yep uh please write in if you like those kind of movies these heist movies um these like adventure movies but don't like this one what is it about this one because i've read a bunch of reviews and it sounds like a review overall of these kind of movies but then you go and look and like the same people liked army of the uh army of thieves and it's like i don't know what you saw in army of thieves that you don't see in this (laughs) and vice versa i feel like those do like army of thieves specifically has more overall charisma than this film this film has a lot of like darker tones i completely disagree actually carson um i think if we're going to talk about movies that like have charisma I feel like just, and I don't want to say like these are our movie stars, but these are like our three bigger stars right now. Um, I was really trying to think other than maybe Scarlett Johansson, who was a bigger star than Gal Gadot right now. And I can't think of one, maybe Jennifer Lawrence, but like, I feel like her time has passed. I feel like it might be Gal Gadot, which is such a weird thing um, because I, I feel like that. she's, I feel like she's just like fallen into it just by like mildly existing. Um, I also really try to step away from like overall Twitter um, emotions because I feel like a lot of people <laughs> like have strong opinions specifically about the um, the three actors in this uh, that the normal person doesn't. Um, but I am curious what you guys think. Apparently, this is the most watched Netflix movie of all time. Or Didn't like it the used to be Murder Mystery? Like the Adam Sandler yeah. one? Murder Mystery and that, 2 is coming for you, Red Notice. Oh, speaking of Gal Gadot as um, the star of her generation, um, our Catherine Hepburn, you could say. Uh-huh. <laughs> our Meryl Streep. That was uh, the <laughs> Is... Uh, Greta Gerwig's uh, new fucking Snow White with uh, Rachel Zegler? Ziegler? I've never known how to say her name. Um, which I'm like very interested in. Um, more so than I want to say like Little Mermaid, which I think is not going to be great. Um, I think that Snow White kind of lends itself to doing a redo specifically in the um disney format like i know that they've done snow white a bajillion times but they always can't touch the specifics of the disney storyline um the disney snow white is both a boring film and a cool story so like it pinocchio like going to that era feels very 
correct to me. I think doing the um, renaissance of Disney is a mistake, but going back to Gal Gadot, um, I think she's going to be a good evil queen. I'm sure Alina is thrilled. (laughs) I think she does really well at playing diabolical bitches, as I said, because she's an evil bitch in Red Notice. I was like, this is her best role. She's playing herself. So you know what? (laughs) She'll be fine in Greta Gerwig's Snow White. I'm not looking forward to it, but I will watch because I'm obligated at this point, unfortunately. She's my most watched actor of the year. Isn't that upsetting? I I I made a tactical error, tactical error watching the DC and Fast and Furious movies this year. I I feel like you were talking, you were talking about like, oh, I should try to watch Ben Affleck movies. I'm like, actually, just leave it. It's very funny. It is. <laughs> like it's so funny. It's like if I had like Miles Teller or something. And it's just like you could just not have that person be your number one. It's like no, yeah. no, I did this to myself. Um, yeah. that's like currently mine is Billy Burke <laughs> because um he was both in um the Twilight movies, but also he was in a bunch of like random animated stuff that I've watched this year. Um, I want to say he was Commissioner Gordon or something in the animated movies. Uh, Mm. Don't quote me on that. He is somebody in something. Um, Well, mine's M. Night Shyamalan, so. Nice. (laughs) I do want to go back to Red Notice and talk about some of the spoilers, if y'all are okay with that. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Spoilers, audience. Okay. I fucking love and hate the trope that nazis are involved with every single art missing thing ever it's so fucking funny to me like i like with the i forgot to mention during my plot summary that there's three of cleopatra's eggs and they're all in different places and the third one is missing so towards the like end of the movie ryan reynolds his character reveals that his father was also looking for cleopatra's third egg and he got the watch of some Nazi guy who apparently has a map to some Nazi bunker in, you guessed it, fucking Argentina. And then they find this Nazi bunker and I was living for it. Like when they had that backstory and then it cut to the Amazon jungle with like a big giant subtitle of the screen that said Argentina, I fucking cackled because I just, I knew it was going to happen. It happens in every single treasure movie. The Nazis always did it. I'm incredible. I love it so much. I think we all agree. Tragically, I like what we want to be grumpy and hate on everything, but like fucking, of course, Red Notice is the one we agree on. God damn, we like <laughs> fucking post a Spencer review, and we're like, two of the three of us are like, we hate Spencer. I am so upset that I like Red Notice. Like, I was even talking to my friend um, when we went and saw Belfast, uh, Chris, who will be on the podcast next week. Um, and he, I've mentioned Red Notice and he goes, oh God, Red Notice. I haven't even watched it. I've just heard it's terrible. And I was like, well, here's the funny thing about this. <laughs> Actually, um, I may like it and this is really embarrassing for us. Okay. Let's stay on Netflix. Let's keep our streaming service, our red streaming service. You know, it has the big red <laughs> end. Um, thanks for the applause. I've never gotten one before in my life. So that was very nice. Um, let's go over to another Netflix project. Passing. This premiered at Sundance. Uh, got a lot of great attention. Finally came out on Netflix. Paul, why don't you kick things off? What did you think of Netflix's Passing? So I'm a huge 
Rebecca Hall fan. Like, I've been a fan of her since um, Vicky Cristina Barcelona, which I still think that she was the one that should have gotten the Oscar instead of um, Penelope Cruz. Uh, It just always, like, she's always so good, and she chooses roles that, like, are these really broken people, and, you know, she really does a good job at, like, um, showing uh, fragility. And so when I heard about Passing... And that she was directing it, I was like, oh, this will be a very interesting film for her to um, do her directorial debut for. Uh, Also, interesting fact is, and I'm not sure the specifics on, like, what percentage she is, but she is actually um, has black heritage. I believe her mom is half, if I'm going to, like, try to do math. Um, So I think she's a quarter. And so she does have a little background with uh, what the story of passing is, which is in the 1920s. um, It's about African-American women who are deciding whether or not they want to try to pass as white um, and have the privileges of that. Specifically Um, light-skinned black women, obviously, or mixed ones. And um, it's with Tessa Thompson and, Ruth Nega and um I really loved the first I want to say 20 minutes of this just absolutely loved it was so into it I even wrote you guys and was like yep this is supremely my shit and then uh I believe this is more problems with the source material than anything it kind of meanders to an ending that feels unrelated to the pitch of the story it only is slightly connected um and that's a little frustrating um but i did enjoy it overall i just think that um maybe this wasn't the best book to choose um for her first one because i do feel like people are going to fault her or the screenplay when i think it's uh, firmly in the source material that the issues come from where it just kind of meanders a little bit. And even if you read about like um, contemporary reviews of it and, you know, uh, now more modern version, uh, modern reviews, everyone pretty much says that the book is a little like dense and more about like internal monologue than plot, which I think really struggles. It struggles with. Uh, but the performances are amazing. I think the black and white was a clever choice. And um, I think her directing is pretty great. What do you guys think? I really liked it. I've been looking forward to this for like a really long time. Um, as like somebody who is like mixed race and like relatively light skinned. Um, I don't I could not pass for white. Um, but like. I'm very ethnically ambiguous. So I don't know. I was really like interested in the film and I really like Tessa Thompson. Um, Yeah, I do agree with you that like the first like opening was amazing. And I thought the usage of the black and white was so interesting, specifically in the first bit, because it's so like bright, bright white. And then how it changes and gets darker as the film continues and how like Ruth Nega's character gets like back into the african-american community i really thought that was cool i thought the directing on this was really amazing um like honestly the main issues i had with it was the like 
meandering in the middle and then I don't like we can talk about the ending later but I just like the ending was like a lot for me um but yeah I thought all the performances were great Alexander Skarsgård terrified me in this um like he was so scary um but like it's a deeply relatable film because I too would turn my back on my people to uh, get with Alexander Skarsgård I think I'll get canceled for that probably it's fine you can leave it in um (laughs) i just like i just really enjoyed this film except for the ending i kind of wish it had ended differently honestly i i think the ending is very much a novel from the 1920s yeah um like like, it could have been happier but we'll talk about it later oh see i don't i don't mind the lack of happiness i just feel like um i like the i hate the lack of clarity um see to me um, I guess we're talking about the ending. So spoilers, guys, um, <laughs> like it, you can't talk about this film really without talking about the ending. So yeah. um, like if you're listening, it's on Netflix. Go watch it. Come back. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, let me but- go first. Let me go first. The main reason I was upset with how bleak and sad the ending was, it was really nice to see Ruth Nega's character connecting with like African-American culture again. Only to have her, like, get killed. I was like, that's bleak and, like, kind of sucks. So that's the only reason why I had, like, problems with it. Like, I was just like, she's just connecting to her roots again and that all gets taken away from her. It's sad. But I think I think ultimately that's what the whole story is about, is that um, T- Irene, Tessa Thompson's character, has had to deal with all of the uh the negative aspects of being uh not trying to pass even though she could and ruth nega's character claire um has gotten all the privileges of being white while um in during the film taking on also the you know her culture and her heritage i think it's one of those things where you know um the jealousy is really hard to describe in um, film compared to in a novel. Because uh, mm-hmm. I did read like the uh, Wikipedia of the novel and it sounds like it's a lot more about like uh, Irene's character slowly losing her uh, feeling of identity completely because someone who has given up their identity to an extent is coming back and is like, actually, I want your identity specifically. Um, her husband, her her life, her children, her friends. Yeah, I definitely see like both elements of it. Yeah, and I think that um, in the book, you don't know if um, Claire jumped if she and or if she was pushed by either her husband or by Irene. It's like very unclear. Although most literary scholars believe it was Irene. Like that's mm-hmm. the, the, but it's very like, but I think that the problem is we as an audience, if we were watching that movie, that um, we would a hundred percent believe it was Alexander Skarsgård, um, who I think like most people who have read the book, as far as I can understand, don't think it is. Um, so I think that they had to make a choice. Um, but I think it's supposed to be like which one of those three is like the big question at the end. Well, there's really four, right? It's it was it an accidental push. Was it a purposeful push by her or was it 
jumper was Alexander Skarsgård. I think that's the biggest thing. Just like it doesn't work the vagueness of it because like, I don't know. We saw her push her. And like, I don't know. I just this entire film, like I really like it overall when I'm getting in my opening thoughts here. Uh, I think it's well crafted. I think it's well directed. I think the performances are great. But like, I think it goes too much into the relationship drama rather than the identity drama. And I just Mm -hmm. think like, I don't know, the ending really left me super cold because I don't necessarily even like I don't like I don't think it does much if it was an accident. I don't necessarily think it was well built if it was purposeful. And I personally like you see her get pushed by her. So like it wasn't Alexander Skarsgård. We saw that it wasn't him. We the jump is weird with how they edit it. So I just don't think that sequence is done well. And I think the follow through is done like almost disasterfully. Yeah, well, I think I think that that's the problem is that you can tell that that specific shot was um, filmed and then considered whether or not it was going to be put in. And I think that the problem would be that it would come off as Skarsgård um, just based on Skarsgård's performance. I think he shouldn't have been so angry. Actually, if we're going to put blame on anyone, I'd put it on Skarsgård or even Hall's direction of Skarsgård. Um, because he was so angry, you'd believe it. And I think it's more impactful if he'd like, there is a situation where you could believe he would have just been like upset and divorced her, but not like murdered her. Well, Um, he literally says that he hates N words. Yeah. Like, oh, I know. But I think, but I think like, why wouldn't he be angry? His like wife lied to him for their entire marriage and he like, it oh makes no! Him look like I, I a just fucking think like moron. Yeah, I just think more like the the murder. I mean, that's a big jump. <laughs> um, so, like, I think if his he'd been a little bit more understated, um, and had not like dove at her in the film, um, you could have done it more ambiguous because I think ambiguity would have but been you more see interesting. Her getting like Tess Thompson nope. get in between them and put you see her hand. No, that's what I'm her. saying. No, what I'm saying is in the book you don't see that. Yeah, obviously. So I think that his, like, I'm sure that they shot that of her pushing and they were like, we'll use it if we need to. And I think they probably watched it and were like, every single person is going to think this is Skarsgård that does this. And so we have to add this shot because it's not, it's not an interesting story. If it's Skarsgård at all, like it's basically like, racist man is racist <laughs> like mm-hmm. uh, um instead of this really upsetting like you know her pushing this woman who wants to get back to her roots it's also I shout mean, out to everyone who was like this movie is so gay i thought they were like openly gay in it they're not really i didn't get any of that at i all. didn't even read that at all i think it was just I because i went just... with the expectation but people are like this is an openly gay film I'm like what the i didn't even know that on? was a uh, that's so funny. You must Tess run Tess doesn't uh, even like Ruth Naga for the entire movie. What do you mean, <laughs> dog? Well, the, I, I think the idea is that... And Ruth Naga's, that, like, working her husband. <laughs> well, I think the yeah. idea is that some people think she's jealous of her because, but like, because she wants to get with her. But I'm like, I don't personally really see that. I no, was just, I, I was, was really confused I, by that conversation that after seeing the film. That is wildly incorrect. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know what it, this does remind me of? It reminds me, uh, and I'd be curious about the year. Uh, let me do some math real quick. This came out in 1929. Oh my God, what is that book called? The movie just came out uh, with Leonardo DiCaprio. He gets shot in a pool. 
girl gets run over Once by upon a car. time in Hollywood. Hollywood. No. Wait, no, no, what? No. Uh, couple of years back. Oh, okay. Rich guy. Oh, Great Gatsby. Oh. <laughs> That's how you choose to describe the Great Gatsby. <laughs> okay. It okay. So this is actually really interesting. This came uh, passing came out four years after the Great Gatsby. Um, and I definitely can see a lot of like um, influences um, in that. It's almost like there are so many similarities in terms of like the story arc um, that's actually like really fascinating um, down to like, you know, the ambiguity of a lot of like what happened and the tragic death of the main character who isn't the main character. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, like the exact specifics of it, but I, it makes a lot more sense now because I originally thought that passing maybe came out before, but now I see it flipped and I could see the influences pretty strongly. I've never read the great Gatsby or seen the movie, so I have nothing. Oh, oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, I didn't read it in high school. Overall, I think that, um. Rebecca Hall really has like a career ahead of her, but it is interesting. I don't know um, if you guys have kept up with like actor director movies, like um, they usually only do one and then they never do it again because it's hard. Um, So Mm. I'll be very curious to see if we hear another one from her or if this was just like a one off, like I'm going to try it. It's going to go to Sundance. Um, And maybe it depends on how many Academy Awards it gets nominated for, if any. Do you think it's going to get nominated for any? Uh, I think that Ruth could get nominated. Yeah, supporting um, actress makes the most sense to me. I would love Tessa Thompson to get nominated, but it is such a small role. And um, actually, I know she won't because uh, Nicole Kidman's getting nominated. I'm 100% certain after last night. The... SAG nominating committee doing a standing ovation for like a couple minutes when she walked out it and it's fucking Lucy. It's done. It's done. It's apparently Um, very good. That film. Yeah. No, I knew it was going to be like, I was the one, this was my house of Gucci. Um, except unlike you, I wasn't wrong. Um, Yo, after seeing it, I wasn't wrong. I was fully satisfied. Um, No, like I've been sitting there and I was like, it's Aaron Sorkin doing uh, the fact that Lucille Ball got blacklisted. Please, it's going to be so good. Um, I don't like Aaron so, Sorkin. So, like, you know. I, how do you not like Aaron Sorkin? I think after Trial of Chicago 7, people are just like, fuck you, Aaron Sorkin. I didn't like Molly's Game either. Oh, I loved Molly's Game. Well, the next movie is, in fact, I would say currently our best picture frontrunner, switching over from red to black. We have Belfast, uh, Kenneth Branagh's new film. I'll go ahead and start us off because my first ever time speaking on this podcast, I believe it was episode two. Elena, you were there and we talked about uh, Artist Foul, which was very mm-hmm. bad. So yep. his follow up project, not necessarily on paper, something I was like super excited for. But I went in, I'll fully admit it, I had a very big Irish crowd, like our local Irish like club or whatever, came to the screening at our local film festivals. I love that. 
it was all these old white women from Ireland who like were crying in the movie and like cheering. And I had a magical time. I love the film. It's one of my favorites of the year. Um, I'm sure we're going to get into it, but like there's something so wholesome and so sweet about this film that is both like a celebration of childhood magic, but also like some really deep drama and like deep emotions. Um, I think this is Kenneth Brown as like one of his strongest efforts in anything, which might not say a lot if we're being honest, but like at least until death of the Nile, I should say, but like, I think this is lovely. Like I just had a great time with it. It was a great atmosphere. Um, I, I, I just like, there's some movies that it just feels like magic and this felt magical to me. So let's go. Who's going to hate it? You know, I think that's the biggest question today. I don't think anyone hates this. I'm probably the most mid on this, which is shocking. I was so ready for this to be like my number one film of the year. I love this, but I feel like there's a lack of weight in certain sequences, um, especially in the third act that I attribute to the fact that this is supposed to be semi-autobiographical for Kenneth. And I feel like he doesn't want to give his parents enough like fault, I guess is the best way. Um, Cause in the third act, his parents become pretty damn blameless. Um, and I think that that's one of the bigger issues in the film. Um, just everyone is so nice, except for the one bad guy um, who is, you know, uh, supposed to symbolize like 25% of Northern Ireland at this point. <laughs> um, I, but like overall, like performances are great. Um, I would love to see Jamie Dornan nominated. I don't find uh, Katarina Balfi, I believe. I didn't find her performance to be as great as I was expecting it to be. I was really expecting to be blown away. Um, I think Judy Dench has more interesting because like, I don't know, you can cry pretty easily. Um, (laughs) And that's pretty much what Ma does the entire movie. Um, But uh, Judy Dench's performance, I think is really layered because she's playing a character that like, clearly is trying to hold things together when she can't is just really great and she's also the heart kind of of the movie um you know she's the she's the final line and everything um no i really did love this i think that jude hill is fantastic um the black and white worked really well it's it's really good. I just wanted a little bit more weight. I think if it had been R and not PG-13, and maybe that's just me being like, you know, I've forgotten what PG-13 movies are like. <laughs> um, you know, like PG-13 um, dramas. Because it just felt a little light. I will say what's very interesting, though, is, uh, speaking of Artemis Fowl, the actress who played Holly Short... <laughs> is the um i want to say cousin or friend who is in the gang um i could not even see the same actress uh she was so bad as holly short in artemis fowl and is so much fun in this um she's a real like scene stealer i don't know have you guys watched dairy girls probably not no um dairy girls has very similar vibes to this um and so it did feel uh, and that's probably also my problem is that it does feel a little like um, treading the same path. Um, Dairy Girls is more basically about like if the um, the neighbor girl was the lead and like 
trying to figure out her place in the world. Um, so I feel like I may have like seen this recently. Um, but that's a minor complaint. Yeah, when this probably wins Best Picture, this or King Richard is where I'm sitting right now. Um, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. I'll cheer. Yeah. It's not fucking power of the dog. <laughs> Belfast is the best picture. Go ahead, Elena. Uh, I got to see Belfast at TIFF um, back in September. And unfortunately, I didn't get a, a chance to rewatch it before the podcast because, of course, it didn't come to my fucking redneck Ontario town, which infuriates me. But you know what? Fine. I've already seen it. Um, so, like, I'm really trying to, like, dig deep in my brain and remember everything from, like, two months ago. But, like, it's fine. Um, I loved Belfast when I saw it at TIFF. I wasn't going in with, like, super high expectations. I do really like Kenneth Branagh. Um, I like him in The Road to El Dorado. Fucking slaps. Uh, he's great as Hamlet. I do really like him. He's had some bad stuff, but like, so has everybody. We've put out some shit podcasts, to be fair. You know what? Everyone's allowed to fuck up sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, Did you just I... compare our podcast to Artemis Fowl? Damn. <laughs> <laughs> some of the episodes. <laughs> um, write us an email telling us your worst Clappercast episode. <laughs> just kidding. Don't do that. It'll hurt our feelings. Um, okay. So yeah, I, I did thoroughly enjoy Belfast. I thought Jamie Dornan was wonderful. Yeah, I mean, just piggybacking off what you said, I think that like the performance here are really great. I think Catherine Balfi, yeah, saying that wrong, I know, I'm sorry. Um, it, I it's agree, definitely like, Katarina. Um, I thought she was great in Belfast as well. Um, for me, though, the person that stood out the most was the grandfather. I believe his name is pronounced Kieran Hines. I'm so sorry, Irish people, if we are fucking this up, but I'm pretty sure it's Kieran. Um, especially the scene when he is in the hospital and talking to Buddy. Part of it is in the trailer. That scene was just so heartwarming. I loved it. I think it does, like, Belfast does such an amazing job of showing, like, an historical traumatic event through the eyes of a child. Um, and like, it's a very carefree and innocent time in your childhood, but you're surrounded by all this like terrible stuff that you don't understand. Um, and how Buddy is interacting with like Colin Morgan's character and his father. And he's just very confused about what's happening. I really, really loved Belfast. I thought it was so impressive. Um, I just, like, I don't understand how you could hate this. Like, it's so heartwarming. I feel like people who specifically hate uh, Belfast in these kind of movies um, are the same people who, like, and it's not negative if you dislike it. I just think they're the kind of people who go into movies and are, like, unless there's something super... Going back to what we just talked about with Red Notice... Unless it's like a super deep, uh, you know, emotional core outside of like a like traditional um, emotional core, um, something that like reaches it like poetry versus um, story fiction. Um, I feel like it's people who prefer poetry um, are the ones who like when there's these more narrative films. Uh you know, I watched all the best pictures um, over the past year. And one of the things I noticed was like the ones that people hate are the ones that are just like pretty much like what we're told we're supposed to hate. 
whether or not you've actually watched it, you're like, that's a terrible movie. Are the ones that are more like story versus like great cinematography and things like that. And it's such a weird thing because film as a medium is storytelling with additional shit. So like, you know, if the story is not working, if the story doesn't hit you, uh, I think that it's, um, you know, not a good movie. Sorry, The Green Knight. I'm specifically thinking of The Green Knight while I'm talking about this whole thing. So I'm just going to say it. Um, <laughs> uh, and then like, you know, Belfast didn't work for me entirely, but I still loved it. I just think I was expecting something a lot stronger in terms of like its emotional hit. But I like looked over to my friend and he was full on crying. And <laughs> I was like stone faced and I was like, oh, I didn't know we were crying right now. OK, <laughs> I guess I missed something here. I thought this was pretty telegraphed um, early on in the film that, you know, and we don't need to talk spoilers in this one. Um, but, uh, you know, I was just very surprised by that. But I think it does work for certain people. I think it's going to play great with the Oscars. Um I think that's the problem, Alina, just going off of what you said. I, I can definitely see wanting more venom from certain scenes and certain emotions, but like I, it works, I think, because we're just taking the perspective of a child. So like, exactly. I, I think it worked. I, you know, um, I really, yeah, I, I see that, but it didn't like personally bother me, but I get why it might. I think this also has just like a wild rewatchability. I also didn't get to rewatch it for the podcast since I saw it at a festival earlier in the year, but like, I would easily watch this again. Like same. Easily. I generally cannot wait to rewatch this. I'm I'm really yeah. sad I didn't get the chance to this weekend. Yeah. I mean I just I, I really don't get how you could hate it. Because like at least with something like Jojo Rabbit, which actually stylistically I felt like in some ways was kind of similar. Like I can get hating that. I don't get hating Belfast. Like it's so wholesome. It's so sweet. It's so personal. It's so rich in some ways, especially when it comes to like the relationship with the grandparents, the relationship with the city and stuff. Like, I just don't get how someone could like hate this film. But I guess that's just the world we're living in. Did they just say Spider Monday. <laughs> I just got to really Spider Monday. Spider Monday. <laughs> mind meld. Mind meld. So you know what else is black and red all over? It's Spider-Man. Um, and we just as recording this got the final trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, we all just watched, as you heard, we got our Spider Monday reactions. Um, I I mean, we just we literally just watched it. What are your thoughts on the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home? Um we all know that they're in there, so just like show them. Uh it's the same thing I'm having trouble with with uh Ghostbusters Afterlife, actually, with the trailers there. Um, we're not dumb, and saving things doesn't help. <laughs> um, wait. Ghostbusters is Sony, right? Yeah. Yep. They also had this problem with um, Venom. Across the board, they are very much um, struggling, I guess is the best term, with like just showing us like what we want to see. Like we will still go. If you showed us a shot of Andrew Garfield or a shot of Tobey Maguire, everyone's still going like More all you're going to get. Go. Yeah. All you're going to get is a bunch of people in the UK going, Oh my God, Andrew's there. Um, I'm not going to try to do a UK accent because you know, our 
Top yeah, of the CS. morning. Andrew Garfield is <laughs> exactly. in it. Exactly. Cheerio. <laughs> Cheerio, bro. Andrew Garfield's in it. <laughs> Which is exactly how I'm going to find out. Uh, <laughs> he's going to be talking about beans on toast or whatever. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> Oi. Oi. Um, Andrew's in that. Give me my pint <laughs> at the pub. Governor. Governor. <laughs> uh, God. Um, yeah. So, um, you know, it just, it feels a little silly, but cool to see everybody, I guess. Um, was it cool? I don't know. I don't think like, I think we're so far into this, like, and maybe it's because we're playing inner base in, in inside baseball more than most people. So like, we have like ideas of what's happening in this film, what's happening in Dr. Strange. Like, I just feel like, Oh my God, we saw, we not even saw, we heard more Willem Dafoe, but like, great that doesn't feel like a lot when we know like the door we're opening goes so much wider than this it doesn't feel real. like i'm not that trailer does not excite me any more than anything else promotionally has for the film which i feel like it's a failure for a trailer that's supposed to escalate excitement i was happy to see the green goblin and like that's it like the rest of the spider-man villains i'm like whatever but i'm just like willem dafoe um that's all i'm happy about like show us show us the other Peter Parkers. That's what I want. It's fine. <laughs> is so that black Spider-Man is is that still our boy um from this one? I don't yeah, know anything it, by the way, by the way. Is. I don't know who this lightning man With is. With a either, black so. like a black suit? Yeah. It's just a different suit, but it's still uh, yeah, Tom it's just Holland. A, it's a it's his I'm assuming it's his um electro suit um which was like uh, well, consistently, like whenever Spider-Man fights Electro, he usually has to have a different suit because it has to be made of rubber. Otherwise, he dies. I'm excited. I'll have fun. I will be going opening night. Um, even if I got a, um, which I won't because that's only for Carson. Even if I got a press one, I think I would only go opening night for the fans because it is going to be insane and i will enjoy every second of listening to all those nerds lose their mind because i don't really particularly care about this movie and i will be very excited, excited to sit in my room with eight other press people in silence watching it so <laughs> i i like my um i like my seats that i can lay back in but okay we get them also so but i prefer silence oh, and you know who nice. else is silent charlie chaplin and buster keaton great transition Alina, take it away for week three of the silent showdown. So we're back at it. It's week three of the silent showdown. We have our same matchup once again. In one corner, we got Buster Keaton. The other, the other corner, we got Charlie Chaplin. The kings of silent cinema. But who is the true king? This week, we have seven chances. Buster Keaton, 1925, I believe. Yes. And then we have Charlie Chaplin's City Lights, 1931. Um, so yeah, that is the matchup this week. I'm pretty sure we fucked up what it was this week or last week, but it, it is actually seven chances and, uh, city lights to be clear because, uh, we're idiots and cannot plan things properly, obviously. Anyway, um, what would you guys like to start with? Seven chances or city lights? Let's do seven chances. Okay. Yeah. I really liked that one. So go ahead, Paul. I, so um seven chances is a buster keaton film um that is based on a play actually um that was from 1916 
that is about a guy who will get seven million dollars which equals about to 112 million today if he can get married by 7 p.m on his 27th birthday um and it's a just very like funny comedy and i enjoyed it i don't really like I struggle to talk about these movies because like the plot is very simple. He wants to get married and you know, he posts the newspaper at some point later on in the film that he wants any potential bride to come to the church and marry him. And what's funny is hundreds and hundreds of brides come and it becomes a majority of the film actually is him running away from this like stampede of brides. And I didn't know much about this movie going in. Um, how I picked all the Buster Keaton movies uh, wasn't like, what are the most famous? I went through and read just the basic plots and was like, that sounds funny. That doesn't sound great. And then I picked from there. Um, and this was legitimately hilarious. I watched it on the TV. Uh, my dad was watching too. My dog was watching, but like he wasn't laughing. Um, but my dad and I were like <laughs> legitimately like cackling the whole way through this. Um, in a way that was like really surprising. It feels so great for, um, you know, the silent era. Um, all the jokes and the physical comedy are really funny. It's got a certain darkness to it a lot of times. Um, and then it really shows off, uh, Buster Keaton's kind of like, you know, the great stone face, um, of him just like going up against things that look exceedingly dangerous. And he's just like, yeah, whatever. Um, but I'm curious what you guys thought. Um, I really liked it. I watched this one, just like a random version of it on YouTube. Um, it was only 56 minutes and I was like tight. I had no idea what it was about going into it either. Um, and once again, shenanigans ensue. If in the movie shenanigans ensue, I'm probably going to have a good time with it. It's just so fun. Like all of the gags work so well. Like when he's going around the like saloon or like restaurant or whatever, and he's trying to get all these like women to marry him and they all like brush him off. Um, the bride's chasing him. The scene towards the end with all the rocks tumbling down the hill. Like I was generally like laughing out loud for so much of this movie. And it was like just really, really fun. It has such like a fast pace and everything like goes so quickly. There's romance, there's drama. Like, I don't know. It just had like everything I enjoyed about like a silent film. It's literally it was amazing. Look, not at all for the gimmick of this po- like this series. I was not a big fan of this one. I was a big fan last week, so I was hopeful for this one. I was excited. And I think that might have been a mistake. I think this is a movie with a lot of great moments, but an overall pretty lackluster, I would say, just like energy. I felt very bored by this film at times. Like, yes, there are undeniably fun set pieces. Buster Keaton especially really throws himself like physically into some really interesting situations like running down a fucking mountain with rocks like the stuff on the water like buster keaton i don't think himself has ever impressed me more than this film as an actor but the film overall there was just something about it that felt really just boring like i didn't care about all the drama 
I didn't really find a lot of the comedy funny other than like some of the physical humor with those set pieces. Like, I don't want to be Debbie Downer. Like I, I wanted to like this, like I did last week, but this one especially just like really bored me for some reason. This is literally my favorite Buster Keaton so far, honestly. Really? Yeah. I had wow. so much fun would you with say it. The same I would say this was my favorite of the silence we've watched fully. I mean, like, yes. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it's my favorite. Wow. It I mean, I think the fifty-six minutes really, you know, oh, undeniably like, kept it like mm-hmm. at a like okay. So when we're watching these films, and I think we're about to talk about a film that like um is the exact opposite of this is like a silent you're not learning anything from other than historical content or pure enjoyment and like uh entertainment value and this to me was like the highest of the entertainment values like you could put this on i was thinking about it like you could put this on with kids and like you know, the first part may bore them, but once the brides show up and there's this stampede of like old and they've shown all of them, they're all like in their like 60s and they're chasing after him and like throwing bricks at him. It's so funny. Um, Yeah, no, I, I loved this. Um, I thought even like the gimmick and concept of our hospitality was like fun, more fun than this. This might be actually the more like in my opinion, the bottom of what we've talked about overall, which is quite interesting. <laughs> so weird. Um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like losing my mind because I was like legitimately like, oh, I think we won this week. Uh, I think it's going to be a three for three for Buster. I literally thought um, it would be a three for three for uh, Chaplin. I was like, wow, this one, at least like this one's easy. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm very excited about to talk about fucking city lights. Okay, let's oh, do it. You, let's fucking okay. talk about City you Lights. You liked it, though. <laughs> you said you liked it. Oh, no, 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 no. I stopped writing you when I when it shifted, and I just started oh, writing Alina. Oh, no. <laughs> okay, look. City Lights. Obviously, I think Chaplin's is a most, film. Well, it ostensibly. is. Ostensibly. I think most, Chaplin's mainly known for his like, adventures in the city as a little tramp. That may be the most iconic part of him. Um, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of modern times. So, but I am a big fan of city lights. I think if you want to get like the full, like understand the iconic part of the tramp, this is the best thing to watch. Even though I think the gold rush is all around his best silent film. Um, I like this one a lot. I think the comedy is really fun. I think the romance is very sweet. Um, I'm very curious which part you hated. Cause like, I just think all around, even though I don't think it's like a masterpiece, right? I think it's sometimes it's lacking here and there. I think it's overall like a great film. I think it's one of Chaplin's best. So I don't know what part you would hate, but I guess I'm going to have to hear it. Um, most of the film. Most of the film more. is what I hated. Oh yeah, my no. God. No, no, no. It's it's <laughs> like, okay, so Carson, here's this the thing. This series is bullshit. <laughs> no, here's the thing. Um, I, again, what I literally just said. Yes, City Lights has a lot of historical value. Um. And I did enjoy the opening, but once it Chaplin's drama, I don't find interesting. It is so pedantic. Um, It's just like, yeah, here's it feels like. Chaplin is trying to go for something bigger than what he believes he can do. So he just does 
a kind of like gesture towards like a deep story. Whereas Keaton goes, this is the limits of the medium. I'm just going to give you a good time. And like, so I'm sitting there and it's like the story a should not be 80 minutes long. We have already established that like time limits are insane during the silent era. So some can be like 50 minutes. This should be 50 minutes. Um, You know, even last week uh, we watched uh, probably wrongly watched the sound version of the gold rush which was also edited down 20 minutes and still i felt a little bored so like this one is like back to like chaplin please the scene is over move on and he just keeps doing that and like it doesn't have like new humor it doesn't like build upon the elements it's like this is the joke there was one point where he's like sitting with a drunk man and I want to say the se- the sequence goes on like 40 minutes. And I was like, if I want to spend 40 minutes with a drunk man, I'll just go to like downtown Hollywood and pick someone up. Like I'm not learning. It's not like <laughs> particularly funny. It's just like, you know, just like, okay, cool. You're still here. Oh my God, you're still here. Um, I went and made coffee at one point and paused it. And I was like, okay, this scene's almost over. And then it's going to get to the different scene. And no, we still had another like 10 minutes with this drunk guy. And then he wakes up and it doesn't really like it has a little bit of connection to the overall story. But like for the most part, it's just like each of those individual sequences just was not doing much. Um, I enjoyed the first, I want to say, 15 minutes. I was really into it for 15 minutes. And then afterwards, it just he loses sight of his thing, much like. The poor flower girl lost her sight and could be fixed. I Okay, I will legitimately say that the hardest I laughed was when he said, here's money for your rent and here's money for your eyes. And I was like, there's not a better word way to word this guy. You're trying to date this woman and you're like, here's your eye money. Um, I did like it overall. But I just liked Seven Chances better. And I think it has to do with a few factors. One, I have an extremely bad habit of double double featuring these freaking silent films. I really got to stop because I find that I like the one I watched first better. Um, Like the first week I watched Buster first, last week I watched The Chaplain first. And this week I watched The Buster first again. Um... And also, I watched the Buster Keaton ones on YouTube, and then I watched the Charlie Chaplin ones on the Criterion channel. And the way my fucking rural Ontario internet works, YouTube just works a lot better. So I have, like, issues with the buffering and stuff and, like, the movie pauses. And I'm just, like, I, like, I walk away for five minutes while, like, it loads some more. And I'm, like, it's a struggle to get through the Charlie Chaplin ones. And this one was, like, 80-something minutes, and I was, like fuck off like this one was 80 something minutes and the buster one was 56 minutes so i was like there's already a clear winner here to be fair sorry so sorry um but i don't know i i did like a lot of that um no like that's one of my biggest problems is like um and this is not just uh you know i'm sure he did other maybe he did other films i don't actually know all i've seen charlie chaplin do is the tramp and like, I don't know, I don't find that particularly interesting. Like you did the same character again and again and again and again with different storylines. What are you, a Marvel movie? <laughs> I was going to make that joke. God damn it. 
it's quite tragic actually because he did <laughs> want to do other stuff but just like no one like liked his other stuff so he was like god i gotta do the tramp it's quite sad see see that's actually what um that's what i did uh, opposite with um keaton i didn't do any of the juniors um i didn't do sherlock jr and i didn't do steam steamboat bill jr to be fair his Um, other films are bad so so i'm not gonna throw you a moment in paris (laughs) (laughs) sorry oh that would have been very funny um we're just like watching and we're like this is terrible the tramp is just a very specifically annoying character and the richer Chaplin gets in this time period the more i get annoyed with him doing like i'm just a little poor boy it's like you were like one of the most rich <laughs> one of the richest men in hollywood at this point like you were not like this little poor guy stuff <laughs> good thing i didn't choose modern times where he's like oh god i hate working in the factory <laughs> it's very funny um actually i will have to watch modern times i was thinking about it i'm gonna watch modern times and i'm also gonna watch uh steamboat bill jr which i have yet to watch um because i will be done with both of these fuckers um and i will not have to come back unless i want to watch like a deep cut this is unfair <laughs> this is rigged clearly alina admitted no it's not it. this process so <laughs> she actually picked the other movie last time and only picked it because of the intense racism of <laughs> the navigator I never thought i'd say this i wish buster keaton did more outward racism because it would help <laughs> in this situation <laughs> well i guess that makes our official tally 2-1 for keaton yeah or- yeah we're at 2-1 keaton's leading i do want to briefly say that i was surprised to see um like black women in a um seven chances and they were like trying to marry buster keaton too i thought that was neat oh yeah that was wild um i really appreciated that there was one dialogue card when it was like um he i don't remember it exactly but i tweeted it he's like he's asked every skirt in the village including a scotchman i thought that was fucking funny that he asked a guy <laughs> and to marry him like, that's amazing but yeah um keaton's the winner uh i guess i shall read my thirst tweets of the week let's get into that um, this one is from at Tion Dare. This part is in quotes. It says a clown who looks sexy in his underwear. And then it ends quotes. Why am I reading academic essays on how sexy Buster Keaton is? I love that, that a clown who looks sexy in his underwear was used to describe Buster Keaton in a academic essay. Incredible. Then this one is from Mike Stockwasa. This dude has been giving me a gold mine of Charlie Chaplin thirst tweets. He's got, done like four. Um, so I'll read two today. He said, Charlie Chaplin sexy as hell. You all just have no taste. And his other one says, Buster Keaton sexy, but Charlie Chaplin sexier. So you know what? That's a debate we could have also on the Twitter. Who's sexier, <laughs> Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin? Tell us below. So that wraps up week three of the silent showdown, y'all. Uh, what are we doing next week, friends? There's one more left, so I know for sure I'm right on mine. We're doing The Great Dictator. Nice. Well, we're doing The Great great Dictator versus The General. It does feel like a very, like, uh, and this is actually, um, I was going to allow The General to be this week, but I think that, it like, it'll be fun to do, like, two of their, like, most well-known films. I know Modern Times is considered, like, better than The Great Dictator, but I feel like when people talk about, like, Chaplin and keaton i usually hear the general and i usually hear the great dictator 
Um, mm-hmm. So it'll be fun to do those up. And it'll also be fun because Alina will not be the only judge. Um, we will have another judge next week to discuss. So it could be a 50-50. Cool. And to close this episode off, like we always do, let's get into our recommendations for the week. I might as well start us out. Um, I'm going to pick a documentary called Attica. It's really good. A lot of people are talking about this. It is a documentary about the Attica prison riots, which was a very, very bloody uh, prison revolution that had the real possibility of being big for prison reform and then ultimately failed. Um, Really amazing like one of the best edited documentaries i've seen in a long time um heartbreaking purposeful but also very very um objective not subjective you get a lot of time with like the guards and the families of the guards and it really just kind of explores the situation from all sides and ends up with this really beautiful thesis that doesn't feel forced but also doesn't feel too like unwilling to have a voice um, I think it's really well done, and I know everyone and their mother is catching up on documentaries right now, I feel. Um, so I would definitely check this out. I don't know if it has any legs in the Oscar race because they don't typically like movies um, that rely on archival footage, but I, I like this. It will definitely probably be showing up in my personal awards. Alina, what's your recommendation this week? I have once again not watched anything outside of the podcast stuff except for Supernatural, but I feel like I cannot recommend season six of Supernatural after recommending season five. Um, so instead, I will once again recommend a YouTube channel because that's the only other thing I watch when I am existing, I guess is the word. Um, there's this girl, I've sent you guys a lot of her videos called Mina Lee, um, and she does like fashion videos on YouTube, but they're specifically like costume design and like film um i think i sent you guys like her over the garden wall one and she's done like so many just fucking great things like i really remember liking her video on anastasia um she's done a one about like all of kira knightley's period like drama costumes and like i don't necessarily care about fashion but i really like history of any kind and she does such a great job like pulling out the primary sources so i fucking love her channel and like just if you have any interest in costume design she's a really great resource so that's my recommendation you love to hear it paul what's your recommendation so the only movie that i've watched outside of the podcast this week um is sing to watch Sing 2 for AFI Fest. And so I'm not recommending Sing. I saw that on uh, Christmas Day in the theater, FYI. But think about how depressing You know that what? Was. Actually, I will say it's not that bad. But, um, and I think I've probably already talked about Sing 2 at this point. Um, but I'm going to recommend, sorry, Carson, a book. Um, it's called The Plot. Basically, it's about a guy who steals the plot of a story from one of his students and the fallout from that. And it's very good. I will say that is very funny that it's all about like how twisty um, the plot is. And I figured out the entire story um, by the halfway mark. And I've just been sitting there having every reveal correct, which has been fun. Like it's not not fun and I'm enjoying it. But it is very interesting, like a book that's like, you'll never guess the twist. I'm like, literally have guessed them all a long time ago. Um, but I think it's really good. It's um, if you watch the show The Undoing um, last year on HBO, um, same author 
Um, and I think eventually it'll be like a TV show or a movie. So like, you know, get in on it early. Um, but it's really fun. Perfect. Let's find where we can find you all on social media. Paul? At Price Like Tag on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Alina? I am at Alina Falds on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. And you can find me on Twitter at BP underscore movie reviews. Letterboxd just Carson Tamar. Thank you so much for listening. Send us an email at clappercast at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on Anchor. Only $2 a month if you want exclusive bonus episodes. We just released our classic Clappercast that had us talking about the Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, what else was on there? It was Royal Tenenbaums. It was Raw and, Venom. Raw and Venom. Someone remembers. That's good. Um, it was very fun. <laughs> we talked about actually the Royal Tenenbaums conversation was very fun on that. So I would recommend you check it out. Um, subscribe to us everywhere where you find podcasts. Um, thank you so much for listening. And we'll be back next week to discuss all things cinema. Goodbye. <laughs>